Okay, so I don't have a fancy intro or anything. I mean, I do. I have music, but you can't hear it. So I'm very excited that we finally, even through all of my craziness and mistakes and screw-ups, we're able to finally be able to sit at the table with you because you were kind enough to be a participant in my in the book fair that I that I did and when did I do it in December? That was two weeks before Christmas. Two weeks before Christmas. I'm happy I was able to be a part of that. It was awesome. I, well, I I was thrilled because you know your publisher Lucy and I are great friends, mm-hmm. and so I knew what I knew what you had written about. And when she first told me, I had I had I think the podcast was already I had already started the podcast, yeah. but I remember saying to her. Oh my God! Like, do you think that he'll come on the podcast and talk to me about it? Because your story is just remarkable, and this is actually the only, only the second time you and I are talking to each other. Yep. Yep. Um, we were very emotional that day <laughs> with your mom and, and just watching everybody react and support you. And I, for me, it was just kind of a moment that I got to sit back all day and kind of see what was going on, and kind of watching you all in your element, which was yeah. wonderful. That was so. An awesome day. Um, I try really hard not to talk too, too much. <laughs> so um, I want you to just kind of tell everybody who you are, the name of your book. And, and I just want you to tell your story because it's, you know, and then I'll just kind of jump in if I have a question or two. Definitely. Um, but it's all yours. Awesome. So my name is Dylan Finn. I was born and raised in Seager, New Jersey. Um, I went to college at Charleston afterwards. And I'm in the process of publishing a book called Growth. But before just saying that, I should give a little backstory to it. Yeah. Um, in 2020, October 3rd, me and my friends went to Asheville, North Carolina. And I was skateboarding down a hill, being the overconfident 21-year-old I was, knowing damn well I don't skateboard. Um, got <laughs> oh on the skateboard, I'm going down the hill. And the last thing I remember is my feet started to wobble, and I hit the right side of my head, the back of my head, and I don't remember anything for the rest of the day. Um, my friends said I was really shaken up, but... They just like took care of me. We were drinking and stuff, so they thought it was just, we were just from drinking. And our day went on. But you don't remember the last thing you remember was was the last thing I remember was falling. Like it's so crazy because in my head I could remember like my feet starting to wobble on the board. Right. And then just my head hit the pavement and boom, that's it. Okay. I don't remember anything else. Okay. Um, my friend said I was shaking up. They took care of me. Whatever. I had to bandage all my arms up, my knees up, and. I went to my room and changed and stuff and um, called my mom and just let her know, like, hey, I fell skateboarding and my head's a little shaken up, but uh, I'm okay, I'm okay. Mm-hmm. And she was like, like before I even told her I hit my head, actually she asked me, she said, did you hit your head? Because she knows like drinking and head injuries don't really go so well. And mm. um, I was like, yeah, I did, but I'm okay, I'm okay. I told her that. And she uh, got in contact with my girlfriend at the time and told her, like, keep an eye on him. If he's two hours, check up with me how he yep. is. Two hours, we checked up with her, and I was thought I was okay. What we didn't know at the time was I had a brain hemorrhage in my right temporal lobe, my basilar, which is like the back of your head. And we went to the concert, um, which was during COVID. It was a really weird concert. We had to stay in our near car, parked car. We were supposed to be wearing masks. We weren't always wearing masks. Right. Um, but then at the end of the night, uh, we went back to our Airbnb, and I lost my friends. And my friend Steph found me face first on the ground with blood coming out of my ears, nose, and mouth. So I obviously fell somehow. Mm. Uh, no one knows how I was by myself. And she was traumatized herself, and she called 911. And there's 35 kids at this Airbnb, so it's like 
once she knew, then three other people knew, then ten other people knew, right. and, and everyone knew, and everyone was drinking, and it was just it was just bad, bad news. We were in the middle of the mountains. Mm-hmm. Took two hours for an ambulance to get there. Oh my god! Yeah, two hours as I'm laying on the ground bleeding. Uh, my mom was called. Um, they were like, Dylan's bleeding his ears, nose, and mouth. You should get down here. So she took the next plane out of Newark to come down to Asheville. She did. She made it into Asheville around three in the morning. Mm-hmm. A mother's dream. <laughs> and um, yeah, they told my mom by the time she got there, I was in a non-induced medical coma, um, and that I had a brain hemorrhage in my right temporal lobe, my basilar, my left temporal lobe, and my front temporal lobe. Oh my god! I had a fractured T six and T seven vertebrae in my back, and um, they told her that there was a ten percent chance I was going to survive. Oh so my god! Them. I can't now. Now having met your mother. Um, and of course, being a mom, I mean, I've thought about this because I heard a little bit of your story while we were there, but not in this much detail. Um, I just can't even imagine. I, you know, I don't even, I don't even, I don't want to imagine. I just, but what was, so they give you 10% chance of surviving. You survive through the night. Mm -hmm which I'm sure was a milestone at that point. Mm-hmm. And every then, day was a milestone at that right. point. What I was going to say then what ensued like you were or you were in a how long were you in the coma for? Um I was in the coma for 14 days on the 15th day I woke up. Okay. My and mom, you have like no and this is going to sound like a really stupid question, but sometimes they say when people are in a coma they can hear things yeah. or they did you or were you just no? I don't. I think I it's because my anything. head was so shaken up and yeah. so bleeding in four places. And yeah, um, I, I don't. But I've had so many people ask me that. Do you remember anything? Did you see anything? And I don't remember anything, though. Okay. Honestly, I don't remember anything for the whole month of October. Right. I don't remember really until I got home. Okay. I remember. So you wake up on the 15th day, and what happens? So they were still just very point blank with my mom, straightforward with her, like six months to a year that he'll ever speak or walk again. Mm. Um, they didn't think I would ever be able to drive a car again. Didn't think I'd ever be able to go back to school again. It, it, the hope that that's something that I respect about the doctors, but also it's hard for a parent to hear. Yeah, is they were very straightforward with her, not giving her any hope. And I always say she's the real star of the show because I don't remember any of this. Right. Obviously, I was in a coma and I was shaking up. She was watching this and hearing all of this. Yeah. So she remembers every every second of it. Yeah. Yeah, that's um, that's why like I'm sitting here listening to you and and knowing that I've met your mother, <laughs> I can't. Um, I know I know as a mom that we do have strength that comes from nowhere because our kids are our focus. But I have never. I mean, I've been in a hospital with my daughter with multiple concussions and worried about her that way. But I have never experienced a literal life or death moment where I'm thinking these doctors are not giving my daughter yeah. any hope. So um, clearly, and I think, you know, I think when, I think when, I think when doctors are, are don't know if it's going to go well, they're afraid to give any kind of hope. Of course, yeah. You know, because I don't but, think they know what to say. Well, they don't want to tell you like, oh yeah, he'll be speaking and walking in three months. And the next thing you know, six months goes by and I'm still not able to move. And right. They're like, but you, but you said that he would be. Like, they don't want to be giving exactly. false hope. Like, exactly. They can't do that. So, were you? How long did it take for you to 
start talking again? How difficult was that? Was that something like, was it something you had to relearn? Or, yeah. Yeah, it was something I had to relearn. I, I don't remember like when I first started speaking again. Right. But I do remember going to therapy and like my speech therapist would give me like, like a list of words and I would have to pronounce like three syllable words like vehicle or like recognize. Like I was mm-hmm. saying these three, three syllable words and I obviously could do it easy with that now, but at the time it was difficult for me to pronounce three syllable words. Right. And when, when you think about the times that you don't remember, are they, d- does your memory as you sit here now, is it in, in bits and pieces? Like you said, I don't remember going to therapy, but I remember being in therapy. Yeah. It's very, like, wishy-washy from that time period. Mm-hmm. It's very, um, some of it I remember. Sometimes it's like if I see a picture, mm-hmm. then, like, certain things come back to yeah. me. Um, but not. it's not like I just remember everything from that time now. Okay. And, of course, walking, moving was probably, you know. I still remember the first day I ran in the Kessler parking lot. It was like you would have thought that like someone just won the World Series or the Super Bowl. Like it was me and my therapist <laughs> Alyssa, that. my therapist Alyssa, and like she had her hand on my shoulder and like we were walking and then we, just, we started she she started jogging and I tried and we were we were jogging and her hand was still on my shoulder and then she was like all right speed it up a little bit speed it up and she just took her hand off oh. and I was terrified I was so scared and she was like you're running Dylan like she's behind <laughs> she's behind me and I'm like I'm doing it I'm doing it oh my 21 God. years old. <laughs> Yeah, that's awesome because again, they didn't even they didn't know what you were even going to be able to well, they didn't think you were going to live. And now, okay, so you did that, you survived. What is he going to be capable of doing? Yeah, and it sounds almost silly to say, but it's like I I just had so much negative stuff going on in my life at the time. Like I was hearing bad news after bad news after bad news that that day I ran, mm-hmm. that was like good news. Like that right. was such a big step for me. I remember being like all right, so I am capable of good things. Like I can, I can turn things around. Yeah, it was such like a big like mental feeling opposed to physical, even though it was big physical too. Yeah. So, were you hearing bad things about yourself, about your recovery? Was it just that you were, were, were people unintentionally kind of telling you what you couldn't do so that you wouldn't get your hopes up high? Do you think? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what it was. Like I said, I remember I remember being in therapy and like they didn't know if I'd be able to drive a car. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't know if I would go back to college. They didn't know if I would live my own. My mom told me she was like, we had, we had a discussion with Kelly, my sister. Yeah. We had a discussion with Kelly and like if anything ever happens to us when we pass, like she'll be the one to stay with you and to be your caretaker. And I'm like, I'm going to have a caretaker for the rest of my life? Like it was like, it was hard to hear this stuff. Right. Do you think it's, it's some part of you... Um because I remember when I was 21, 2021, and if somebody told me I wasn't going to be able to do something, it became the goal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm not allowed to do it. It's like, don't touch the fire, Maureen. It's hot. I'm going to touch it anyway. Oh, yeah. Um, do you think that there was a part of you maybe like subconsciously because people were so hesitant to give you any kind of hope that that could have that could have kind of ignited a part of you that was like, you know what? This is not. No. This, they can't tell me what I can and can't do. Yeah, you just started a discussion that we could sit here for hours talking about because so let's that discuss. Was, <laughs> I want to hear that, it. That was like part of the reason why I believe I had a recovery that was so amazing because I was so just like traumatized by everything, and I knew what was being spread 
by word of mouth about me, what what was going on in my life, what I was, what I looked like, what it was happening. Mm-hmm. And I just I remember I created this like vision in my head. I was like, I became obsessed with going to the gym. I was like, everyone's hearing that this kid has a brain injury. He might not be able to walk again. He might not be able to come back to college. But like, we're gonna go to the gym where we come back bigger and stronger. I'm gonna work hard, and my memories be like. I, I had this like I was creating in my head this like superhero. Yes. That wasn't real yet. Right. And that's kind of what I was like working towards every day. Mm-hmm. So, so that was a big motivator for me. So, what did you start with? You started with running that day, and then what happened next? What was your next big milestone? My next big milestone after running. Look, I would question. imagine everything is a big milestone yeah, when people are telling you you can't do anything. But do you do you recall thinking, "Huh, they said I wasn't going to be able to do this, and now I am doing this"? Yeah. Um, well, like I said, going to the gym was big for me because, like, going to the gym was a subtle improvement. And I was seeing, like, okay, I was benching 135 yesterday, and now I'm benching 145. I saw mm-hmm. improvement. So I was seeing growth in myself. So that was big. It was, it was honestly more for my confidence, too. Like, I wasn't I wasn't confident in this version of myself that came out of this injury. Right. I had, I had memory issues. I had spelling issues. I, I didn't have confidence in myself. So, like, by working out, it was, like, creating confidence in myself. Mm-hmm. Um... And I was just really just improving on everything I was doing, whether it was reading. And I would ask for therapy homework. My therapist told me, uh, David, love him to death. Um, we still text sometimes. But he told me, he's like, don't overdo your brain. Like, you, you don't want to overwork your brain. And I, I said to him, word for word, I was like, if this is what keeps me from having a good recovery, then that's a shame. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I, was like, I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work. If, if, if the reason I don't have a good recovery is because I'm working too hard, then that's a shame. Because I was bringing home therapy homework, and I was doing three to four worksheets a night with my mom. And we were just, she was like my biggest supporter through all of it. I bet. everything. Yeah. And I'm sure your sister too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She was at college, finishing up her credits, but she was, both my siblings were checking in on me every day. Yeah. Always, even even some friends. I, I can't forget them. Like I had so many good friends that were just constantly checking in and calling me. And I do believe my mom always wants me to make a shout out to them. Mm-hmm. That like my support system is a big part of my recovery. Of course. I mean, yeah, if you surround yourself with the right people, anything is possible. They did so much for me. Yeah, anything is possible. Yeah. And when people love you and and they can see that their support and just being there and letting you know that you can do what you whatever you put your mind to, it, it does become a huge part mm-hmm. of how you recover. Mm-hmm. Uh, so how long from the accident to when you, did you go back to school? I did. You did? I did. Okay, how long was that? So my injury happened in October. I did therapy all the way until the end of July. No, actually, middle August. August 15th was my last day of therapy, and then August 18th I drove back down to College Charleston. So you drove back. Me and my friend drove back together, yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. I could drive now. <laughs> that must have been, yeah. yeah, that must, like, you know, okay, here I am. I'm, I'm, I'm stepping right back into my life. A little wiser. <laughs> there was still so much doubt when I was going back. And yeah. I, I doubt might not even be the right word. Just so much, like, concern. Yeah. I could remember, like, all these people, like, checking in on me and all this stuff. And I was like, I got this. Like, I'm going to be able to do this. Mm-hmm. I had a therapist. Not a therapist. Um, a doctor at Kessler that recommended I took three classes when I went back to college. And I said, no, I could handle four. I was like, I, I think I know what I'm capable of. And I, by doing four, it's going to make me focus on school more and, and work harder. Mm-hmm. And her response, like the words stick in my head because it motivated me. She's like, well, when you fail one, just know I said to take three. (gasps) She didn't say if, she said when. 
And I was like, no, now. seriously, yeah. a doctor said that yeah. to you. And, uh, see, okay, <laughs> see, to me, that's crossing a line. It's one thing to be concerned about. I don't want to give them too much hope because things are not clear right now. It's another thing for a professional like, to look at you yeah. and be like, when you fail. So whomever you are, I hope you got <laughs> fired because you are not a good person, nor are you a good doctor. Well, I, I used it to my to advantage. I, it motivated me. I, I remember I told my mom, I was like, I can't believe she, she said when, not if. She said when. And I was like, now I'm not. I, I made sure of it. Like all semester, I didn't feel like doing my homework. Right? I felt like not studying. I'd be like, you gotta, you can't fail a class. Because I actually was, I was, there was one class I was really struggling in. Mm -hmm. But I would remind myself, I was like, I can't, I gotta, I gotta pass this. Like, I did. It makes me wonder, though, the flip side of that. Did she say that so that you to light a fire right, under your butt? Like right. I'm saying she's not a good person and a good doctor, but did she maybe say that? Maybe she's smarter than us. Maybe she's like, yeah, maybe she was just kind of making that reverse. Yeah. She was doing that reverse psychology. Well, when you fail it. <laughs> nice. Who knows? Well, maybe we'll give her a little bit of credit, but she still shouldn't have said that to you. I don't care, yeah, what, I agree. I don't care what anybody says. So now we're back at school and you're comfortable and everything's going great. And... How long before you decide I'm going to write my book? And tell everybody the name of your book again? Growth. 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 Flipping the script on my life-changing moment. Mm -hmm. um, how long? So I knew I had to do something because, like, I had so many. I, I had so many nights after my injury that, like, I went to bed like just like so depressed and upset, and I was like, I don't want anyone to ever feel like this. I would tell myself every night. Because I feel like people see it as like I had the injury that I had the recovery. Yeah. But in between that time period, there were so many nights of me just beating myself up and hating where I was and who I was. And Tell me about that. Tell me a little bit. Like, it was Because hard. people don't understand Yeah, they that. don't. They don't. It's like I said, I think people see the injury, they see the recovery, and they're like, oh, well, he's a miracle. Good for him. Right. That's the, it's, but, but um, what, you know, it's like the work. There was, there was about seven, eight months of me just like feeling like a mistake for surviving. Be like, There's only a 10% chance I would survive. Why would that win? Why would the 9% chance lose? I feel like a curse for so long. Really? So it's almost like you have like survivor's guilt? Is that like almost I, like why everything. me? Why? Yeah, there was so much uncertainty at the time as I didn't know what to think and I was hard on myself and beating myself up and um it did get to a point though where after so many months of doing that and just really not being good in a good place mentally, I was like I reversed my, that's why I reversed my script, the title, because um, mm -hmm. I really did. I, just, I was like, wait a second, like you're telling yourself you're a mistake? Like, yeah. maybe you're a damn blessing. Like, maybe you're a blessing for that 10% chance of winning. I'm getting chills. <laughs> I am. Yeah, and I knew I wanted to do something. Um, at the time, I thought it was more public speaking, which I still love and would like to do. You just um, spoke at the Boy Yeah, at the, the, at the, at the Boys and Girls Club in Asbury, yeah. which it went great. It was yeah. a great day. Um, I was watching a little bit of that on Facebook. <laughs> There's going to be more coming. I was like, that's great. But yeah, it was a great day. But yeah, I knew I wanted to do something, but I didn't know how to go about it. Mm -hmm. And this is where God works in mysterious ways. I met someone at my gym without giving too much away. Like, mm -hmm. we were, He was meeting with me, mentoring me, and um, he told me that. He was like... He looked me in the eyes. I could still feel. He's like, Dylan, you you have to write a book. Mm. And I was my my arm shot. I was like, What do you mean? And he's like, I was like, I'm 22 years old. And he was like, Your story is way too powerful to not get this on paper and help somebody. And I was like, But writing a book, like I I wanted to do speaking. And he's like, But to get the speaking gigs, you have to write a book first. So let's check like your platform. And I was like, All right. Your book is your is your business card. Exactly. <laughs> he told me it's like it's your tool to get into the speaking gigs. Yeah. And I was like, All right, this guy's speaking facts. This guy's making sense. Yeah. 
So I, I did it. I started writing. That was about six months after my injury. And it just felt so good, like, just because it meant so much to me. Mm-hmm. And it felt so good. How'd you find Lucy? Because my sister worked at Thunder Road Bookstore, and I was finishing up writing my manuscript, and I knew I could self-publish it, but I kind of didn't really have confidence in all my writing. I was like, I feel like I need, like, another eyes to look at it. Mm-hmm. And, whatever. and I, I asked Kelly, my sister, I was like, can you ask Kate, who's her manager at Thunder Road? Yeah, I know Kate. Yeah, she's, she's amazing. amazing. That's a good, that's that's my favorite bookstore. Yeah, Just, you know, a little shout out to Thunder Road. Yeah, books, we'll give a quick shout. I agree. It is. It's my it's my favorite it's my favorite bookstore. They I had a book signing there myself, and Kate was just the most amazing. She's just she's she is Thunder Road. Books. Yeah, exactly. She is, she's yeah. awesome. But I I I had some intuition. I had something telling me like. Like Thunder Road's gonna be able to help me out with this. Mm-hmm. So I was like, Kelly, can you can you ask Kate? I asked her one time, and, and she Kelly, she she forgot about it. She was so busy with college and credits and whatever, she forgot about it. And she didn't. And I was like, and then another time, probably about two three weeks later, I was like, like Kelly, please ask Kelly. I just feel like she's gonna have some sort of insight that I don't have. Mm-hmm. And Kate gave me Lucy's contact. Didn't know, it wasn't certain. Like Lucy, it wasn't like for sure. She's like, just give Lucy a call, see if she could help you. So we talked on the phone, me and Lucy, and I still remember the phone call. The first phone call, we were introducing each other. I was talking about my manuscript and my story and everything. And her que- she said to me the question that was the make-or-break question for, for why she agreed to like help me out. But she was like, so if I, were to, if I were to publish a book, what would be the one thing that would make everything worth it, make it all come together? And I was like, if I could publish a book and I have one person reach back out to me and say, your story helped me get out of depression, helped me get back my, my life back on track, I was like, I'll feel like a success. I just need one person that could like say that to me. And she was like, Dylan, that's what I need to hear. Like, you just want to get through to somebody. And that was it. We started I working together. That. Yeah, we had a great connection. We still do have a great connection. So let's, well, I guess we should just also shout out the publishing company because, <laughs> of course. you know, she's Starlight Books. Yeah, of course, Starlight. And, um... I and being her friend, I remember after she spoke with you because I kind of, you know, we've been friends, so I've been watching her from day one make her dream come true. Mm-hmm. And we met because we were both authors, and she called me. She was like, Maureen, I don't know how this happened, <laughs> but I have this kid, and he has this story, and his name is Dylan, and he's he's from down here. Really? And I never heard j- this. Oh, yeah. She was so, she really <laughs> felt like it was more like a divine intervention. Yeah. Because um, Lucy doesn't take, every, she doesn't take every story. She, I know she doesn't. She turns down a lot of people, because she knows the direction that she wants her company yeah. to go in. And she felt like, Oh my God, he is the epitome of the types of stories that I want my publishing company to put out. And he's so young and he has the potential to make such a difference in so many people's lives. And your story resonates with young people and, you know, people my age. I'm not going to say old people. (laughs) (laughs) No, you can't. But um, you just have such a strong, you have so many strong messages in that book. You know, about, you know, don't don't listen to the odds. Don't listen to the experts. Um, yes, they have a lot of knowledge and, you know, they do what they do because they've studied. But you know what? So much of our strength and so much of what we accomplish just simply comes from our will. And you don't know me that well, but the people who do know me know that I always say my superpower is my willingness. Mm-hmm. 
My superpower like is that I am willing to at least try. I'm willing to fail. I'm willing to fall down and get back be. up. You gotta be. And I'm sitting here and I'm like, oh my God, this is, how old are you now? 24. 24. This is the 24-year version of what I wish I had felt when I was 24, because I wasn't willing when I was 24. I mean, I was, but I didn't know it then. Um, I called it stubbornness. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but you you were just willing. You were like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to listen to my own instincts. I'm willing to listen to the people who love me. And, and are and, and are telling me I can do this. And yeah. I know that I believe in myself that I can will myself to get better. And I can, I, and, and you did that. Yes, a lot of people helped you, a lot of people supported you, mm -hmm. but you know what? If you were not willing to put that work in, if you were not willing to believe in who you are and what you were capable of, you would have never done it. Right. So. I appreciate that. <laughs> you're, you know, <sighs> Your, your book should have been Growth and Courage because it took a lot of courage for you to say, no, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to be this percentage. And uh, tell me, can, can you remember a little bit more? I mean, I don't want to get on. Uh, I'm not asking you because I'm nosy because mm -hmm. I'm not nosy, but I'm <laughs> always curious and I like to learn about things. Of course. Um, I had a friend whose daughter who had a, a, a major head injury skiing she literally skied into a tree right. um and she did survive it so i know what i know what you mean when because i can remember people calling me and going did you hear did you hear i'm like no what are you talking about and and then because we lived in the same town at the time mm -hmm. what people were saying and 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 her injury was just as bad they did not think that she was going to survive right. and she was a, a star athlete and she you know the fact that she was a healthy young woman played a lot into how she was able to physically start for that sure, journey. For sure. And unfortunately, we lost we lost track because when you're the mother of someone who is is going through this traumatic experience, you know it's a it's a hundred percent all in. Like nobody else matters. Yeah. So I I you know during those moments that you were feeling bad, those six months, those seven months. Um, what do you think got you through that? Was it your mom that was getting you through it? Was it just the fact that, or did you just ride it out? Because sometimes you got to ride something out and it's hard. Yeah. It almost, it's almost like, I, I don't really admit it that much because it, it sounds petty almost, but like, it's like I briefly mentioned it before, but it was almost to me just like the overcoming the odds of like everyone doubting me mm -hmm. fueled me. Mm. Like the idea of like everyone kind of pictured in their head like, Oh, like he—he was—he was—he was a cool dude. He was awesome, but like now, he, now he had a brain injury, and he's just not the same. Like, I—I I would like be at the gym, and I'd be like saying that in my head. Like, I would paint this almost picture that people were creating for me. Mm. Like, for all I know, they weren't even doing it. Yeah. But but I was like imagining everyone like picturing me like just down, down bad, and like I was like I'm gonna come out of this better than I ever was. Like mm -hmm. I was fueled to just like be the miracle story that never seemed possible. And that that's like what lit underneath me and pushed, motivated me. And not only did you do that, you went back to school. Did you graduate yet? I did. Graduated. graduated. Yeah. Um, driving. Driving. Author. Yep, I have a full-time job. <laughs> I mean, what do you do full-time? 
Uh, sales. Sales. Yeah. Okay, you're in sales. <laughs> um, that that is a lot of mental work. <laughs> Trust and, me. Uh, yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> I don't know if you, you you don't know me. I think I've had like 37 jobs throughout my life. <laughs> Several of them were sales. But um, so every every odd, every doubt, every thought that you thought people had whether they did or not right you know because sometimes it's just our own fears and exactly. insecurities there was that a, are there, like there, it's important to recognize there was a lot of love for yeah me. Like, there was oh a no lot of, i have no so doubt. much support yeah so like as i'm saying like i was trying to prove people wrong i also know that i had a huge support base that i'll never be able to show enough gratitude towards because mm-hmm. they were amazing to me and i had months of almost feeling guilty that like they were doing so much for my family donating money and sending letters and I, st- I still have texts I never even opened because mm-hmm. it was so hard for me at the time. Yeah. But that is important to remember too. Like there was so much support at the time in our small hometown of a bubble and my college community. Like there was so much love that I'll never be able to show enough gratitude towards. But I do recognize that. But you know what? The way that you show gratitude sometimes and the way that you let people know that they helped in your survival, in your recovery is by going out and speaking and paying it forward yep. and and sharing sharing the love that you got from them sharing the support that you got from them sharing your story uh so that people know that they can control you know how how their story is written that just because someone has an md at the end of their name doesn't mean that they know how it's going to end yep. and a lot of times that's how that is how you pay it forward so trust me, they're gonna. They, I have no doubt that they know they were a huge part in everything that yeah. happened for you. And so now, now the book is out. Did, did, when did you get the book? When did I get my first real copy of it? Yeah, I saw. I saw it on. Oh my gosh! I still remember the day Lucy recorded gave it. To me. it. Lucy yeah. gave it to me. It was probably right before Christmas. It was about okay. a week before Christmas. And I, I just, the whole, she gave it to me the whole car ride home. I could say it with pride, honestly. I don't even care. I cried the whole car ride home just because I was like, there was so many, like I just said before, there was so many nights that like I was beating myself up and I was like, I have to do something. I got, I can't let this, this go unnoticed. Like I need to help people that are going through what I'm going through. And then like I actually had it in my hands and I was like, this is it. This, this is, is the it. moment. I just got the chills. Like this is the moment. Yeah. So it's real now. Um, so where, pe- where can people get it? Thunder Road Bookstore, um, their online website. Barnes and Nobles has it on their website, and Amazon's gonna have it on their website also. Okay, and have you had any book signings yet? Uh, the first one's gonna be on the tenth, but I was actually just signing the ones for the pre-orders. I just finished that, so those okay. will go out. Those will go out soon. So it's gonna be the tenth of January. Tenth of February. February. Of February. Yeah. Okay, so February tenth at Thunder Road Bookstore. At Thunder Road Bookstore. Yeah. What time? Eleven a.m. 11 a.m. So I'm just going to put it out there right now. I cannot encourage you more <laughs> to come out and meet this young man. He is truly, he, well, first of all, he is a walking miracle. <laughs> and, you know, I'm, I'm so happy that I can say that. But he is just an example of, of hope and determination and willingness Um and I can tell you that being in his presence, this is the second time I'm in his presence. Mm-hmm. It's such a delight. And is your mom going to be at the book signing? Of course. Yeah. She, she his mom. Me. <laughs> you. I mean, please come out and support this young man because um, he he's just. I mean, if if you're not blown away by his story, just listening to it, 
um, then there's something wrong with you. I'm sorry, I'm just going to say that. <laughs> but sitting next to him and listening to it is is not near uh, you. You listening to me as I sit next to him and listen to his story is not nearly as amazing as as it is to actually meet him. So <laughs> I I do. I want everybody to come out and support you Thank because you. I I know I'm not your mom, but I am so freaking <laughs> proud of you. I am so happy to have met you and be in your company. And um, I promise you I'm going to be your biggest cheerleader out there <laughs> because uh, I, I've been fortunate enough to meet you and Zach. Um, you both met at the... at the Yeah, uh, he was amazing. And it makes me... It just brings me so much joy to to know that there are people like you, especially young young guys like you that are out in the world just looking to inspire people. It's so important. We just... People just don't do enough of that anymore. So thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. And talking about the story and, and really being honest about everything. And um, I hope you'll come back again. I hope so, too. All right. So that's it for us tonight, folks. I will see you next week. Thank you so much. All righty. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.